With this edition of In the Author's Voice, I'm Jeff Williams. A new book by author and investigative journalist Howard Bloom takes a closer look at the decades-old death of a former CIA officer. The Spy Who Knew Too Much is a work of nonfiction that reads like a John le Carre novel with as much subterfuge as a Mission Impossible movie. I recently talked with Bloom about the book and the story that begins on the Chesapeake Bay in 1978. Beautiful fall morning, a sailboat goes aground on the Chesapeake Bay. The Coast Guard investigates. They find bullets scattered around the deck. They go down to the galley. They find top-secret CIA documents. And there's an electronic device that's later identified as a burst transmitter. That's a classified device for communicating with satellites. But there's no sign of the boat's owner, who is John Paisley, a high-ranking CIA official. Ten days later, a body, despite being wrapped in 38 pounds of chains, floats to the surface of the Chesapeake Bay. The CIA examines the body. There's a bullet wound behind the left ear, and they say, well, this is Paisley, and he committed suicide. But is this body Paisley, and is this a suicide? The obvious thing to do, of course, would be to look at the fingerprints, and every CIA official has his fingerprints on file. Every CIA employee has his fingerprints on file. However, (laughs) there appears to be one exception, and this is John Paisley. The CIA says that somehow they've lost the fingerprints. I I used to try that, you know, in junior high school and say, (laughs) you know, the dog ate my homework. Uh, But now the CIA is passing this off. And then there's the description of the body. The autopsy has the body at 5'11". Paisley is 5'4". The weights don't match, and even how the CIA goes to explain how he committed suicide. According to the CIA theory, he wrapped himself up in these 38 pounds of chains like a mummy on the deck of a sailboat. He trundles over to the side. He has his gun in his right hand because he's right-handed. With a colossal effort, he jumps off the boat, and while still in midair, despite being wrapped in 38 pounds of chains, he reaches across his body to shoot himself in the left ear, behind the left ear. Well, that's a pretty contorted explanation of what happened, and uh, I think the CIA is maybe being (laughs) contorting perhaps the truth. And Mm -hmm. it's these questions that raise doubt about what really happened that day uh, on the Chesapeake Bay and gets the hero of my book into action. You mentioned the hero of your book. Um, Pete, is it Bagley? Yes, yes Bagley. That another CIA official that I believe came back out of retirement to look specifically into this, this case. Yes. I mean, Pete, the son of a distinguished naval family, he's the uh, son of an admiral, is the nephew of an admiral. Both his brothers were admirals. Uh, and he, he couldn't get into Annapolis because he had bad eyesight. So he uh, goes to Princeton, then the Marines, and then ultimately joins the CIA. He's doing, after the uh, Cold War, he's doing lots of uh, daring-do spy work as a CIA officer in the back alleys of Europe, sort of guy who knows where all the bodies are buried and has even buried some of them. But then he's brought back to the United States to work on counterintelligence in the Soviet division at the headquarters, CIA headquarters in Langley. And as he's doing this, he begins to 
find a pattern of blown operations in the Soviet Union. He said the Soviets are getting many of our double agents, are catching them and executing them. And he says this can't just be a coincidence. This can't be just because we're making mistakes in tradecraft or whatever. This has to be a result of a mole, of a double agent who's embedded in the CIA. So he begins an investigation. In the course of his investigation, fingers start pointing at him. He's accused of being the mole himself. He's investigated for a year. His career is sort of put on hold, but he's eventually cleared. He's exonerated. They can find no proof of this uh, accusation, and he's given a sort of promotion sent off to Brussels to be station chief. However, once questions have been raised in an agency like the CIA, you never really recover. Uh, and that sort of taint on your reputation remains there forever. So he decides to retire. And as you said, he was living in retirement, a, a good life, a comfortable pension, a, a doting kids, a, a wife he cared about a great deal. And then this strange event happens on the Chesapeake Bay, and it begins to pull him back in. He begins to believe that this is the key that will unlock all the mysteries that have been plaguing him during his many years in the CIA. And it also will provide him with an opportunity to restore his own tainted mm -hmm. reputation. If he can find the mole, he'll be helping his country and helping himself. And he decides to go off on this very solitary quest. He becomes obsessed, and it takes him many years uh, and travels a bit over the, around the world, across Europe and into Russia, uh, to try to get the answers to these questions. Do we have any evidence that, that Paisley himself may have been actually infiltrated into the, into the CIA? Pete Begley makes a very good, albeit circumstantial, case uh, that Paisley was working for the Russians, and he ultimately uh, decides that he was the mole, and he makes this discovery in this after conferring with a KGB general on a snowy day in Moscow in, in 2007. Uh, and he, he believes he's put all the pieces together. There are his detractors in the agency who will say uh, Bagley is paranoid, uh, that this is a, a product figment of his imagination, but I think he makes a very convincing case. And what he also does, uh, he makes the case that there's been a continuum of treason within the CIA, uh, that these sort of operations have been going on by the Russians in the past, and he believes they will go on in the future. And the fact that the CIA is so complacent, uh, so passive about its counterintelligence activities, uh, is, is to me shocking. You know, once, what once was a Cold War has become a de facto hot war with Russia and the Ukraine, and uh, now more than ever, protecting our secrets is uh, a paramount concern. All of your investigative reporting that you've done over the years and, and, and following of this particular story, um, was the what prompted you to, 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 to pull this all together and, and, and put this out there now? Well, part of it was finding in, in Bagley mm -hmm. a hero that I thought was a model for the times we, we were living in. He was a man one could admire, a patriot who put his duty uh, to his country ahead of everything else. And if it was going to interfere with his retirement, if he's going to risk being called paranoid, whatever, he was going to try to get the job done. We live in a time 
where people very often uh, don't think about their country and don't think about making sacrifices for his country. But this was the way he was raised. This was his pedigree, and he threw himself into this as a, a patriot. And therefore, I thought he would be a, a really good hero for a true story. What was one of the most surprising or, or enlightening things that, that you discovered in, in, in doing the research for this book and from what, from what Begley may have discovered or uncovered? Well, what I found, what, what shocked me, uh, the division, the divisiveness within the CIA itself, that there is these two feuding camps. There's this one side who believes that Department 13 of the KGB and its successors have run a deliberate campaign to infiltrate our intelligence services. They call this the master plot. On the other side <laughs> of the the hallways in the CIA. There are people who deride this as the monster plot, uh, and they say this is sheer paranoia, and that our agency to this day uh, can be ripped apart uh, by, by this dissension. I mean, if the United States is going to be safe, it needs an aggressive counterintelligence uh, activity, protect our, our secrets and protect our agents working behind enemy lines. And it seems that we're now really caught up in an internal feud, which is threatening the security of the nation. It almost sounds like that the, probably the, the truth is somewhere <laughs> in between those two sides of the, of the hallway within the, uh, within the, within the CIA. Will, will, do you think we'll ever really know or, or understand just what is going on within that agency? Yeah, you raise a, an important question. I, in the course of this book, I went to the CIA and talking with an official I've worked with before and we're in a you know windowless room and everything is being recorded and I say in my pompous journalistic voice and I'm setting out to tell a true story and he you know starts breaking out in laughter and I look at him and he said there are no true stories in espionage work you're never going to get the whole story there's always going to be one more file one more file that I can't get one more file that you can't get you try your best to get as close as you can to the true story. And I guess that's what I've tried to do in The Spy Who Knew Too Much, get as close as I can uh, to the whole entire true story of a mole within the CIA. Now, if I remember correctly, I think Bagley passed away about I think, 2014 or so. Yeah. Do you, do you know, was he satisfied with what he was, what he, he was able, able to do? He was satisfied on a personal level. He felt he had gotten the answers he needed. However, he was deeply distressed, as it was explained to me, by the CIA's reaction, by the bitterness, uh, by their petty ways of even going after him. For example, he wrote a, a memoir. Uh, he tried to, uh, he had a, he was a distinguished CIA officer. He was going to talk at the CIA auditorium. It was canceled at the last minute. He then was going to talk at, at a, a museum in Washington, D.C. The agency conspired to have that canceled, too. These petty little things, and he was afraid his daughter was a CAA officer, and he was afraid it would come back to haunt her, his activities in pursuit of the truth. Do we, do we have a, a, a good idea through, through Bagley's research as to what really happened to the individual that we knew as, as John Paisley? Bagley ha, ha, has a, a, 
what he believes is truth, I would say it's it's a very convincing theory. It's been called a convincing theory since my book has been published by uh, people within the agency and uh, former CIA officials. It boils down to that that was never uh, Paisley's body uh, on on that boat in the Chesapeake Bay. We still don't know whose body it was. Paisley was taken that night by a Russian, a Polish freighter, rather, that was uh, going on its way to Baltimore. He was picked up by that boat. He made his way to Europe and eventually wound up in Moscow and is now buried in a cemetery outside Moscow. So both of these individuals represent an entire generation now removed. Does this story have critical mass still? Obviously, given the given the events happening around the world, that there's great importance in understanding this. But has it lost some of the oomph just simply because of the passing of time? I, I don't think so. I, I think because it's never been resolved. It's one of these great, one last great mysteries that's important to solve. And I think I've offered a solution. And more importantly, you know, Putin is a former KGB spymaster. We've seen him going aggressively after. Uh, defectors in the United Kingdom. We've seen him interfering in our elections. We see him now launching a war against the Ukraine. For our spy agencies to complacently believe that he's not targeting them directly, as Russia has done in the past, I think is absurd. And I think this story will focus on the inactivity now in counterintelligence work. Howard, what do you hope that the people that pick this up that maybe were not familiar with the story and now are, what do you what do you hope they take away from um, from your from the work? Well, uh, uh, two two things. Uh, first is I'd like to think they entering into a world of espionage which is real mm-hmm. and yet still exciting. Uh, you know, these when the guns are fired in this story, there's a real life bullets and real life people bleed and real life uh, agents are executed. Are, are betrayed. These betrayals are not just words on a page, but have real-life consequences. Uh, when a, a double agent is picked up and winds up dead in the trunk of a KGB vehicle, uh, I'd like to think that they can read this story, sit on a beach or wherever, or under a tree this summer, and be caught up in a really good thriller, yet it's all true. That's one thing I'd like people to get out of this book. The other thing is what I've been alluding to before, that there has been a continuum of treason, that the CIA today is in jeopardy of being too complacent uh, because it's not looking for the moles uh, and not realizing that there's been a deliberate deliberate Russian attack on, on our intelligence services and that this attack continues to this very day. I would imagine a book like yours casts or causes some 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 waves. Um, what feedback have you have you gotten back, either from the intelligence community or just or from others, you know, other readers on 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 this? Well, from the general readers, I mean, the gratifying part has been largely favorable. There's a, uh, you know, the general readers. The book is selling quite well. It's an Amazon pick of the month. Uh, people, uh, Publishers Weekly wrote that it's like a Le Carre story come to life. And yet in the professional journals, for example, the Cypher Brief, there's a former uh, Moscow bureau chief who writes about the book and says laudatory things. And he has some picks here and there, but uh, says he got caught up in the read and 
and gave it three and a half out of four stars. So uh, there's been a general, I think, support for the book. And I think people realize that this is a thrilling story that has uh, packs a wallop of, 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 a, of an import, how it affects our national security. That's author and journalist Howard Bloom. His latest book is The Spy Who Knew Too Much. For this edition of In the Author's Voice, I'm Jeff Williams.